From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hiya to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Howdy to those of you streaming us at the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And uh, last but not least, everyone who has assembled in the YouTube live chat. Happy New Year. Probably, again, not the one you'd hoped for, given the ongoing lockdown. And we are talking about the lockdown, the reaction to the uh, COVID-19, the measures that have been taken, your thoughts on those. And uh, also the the, uh, aftermath of the U.S. election which promises to continue into the new year. We are not done yet. There are still court cases. There are a number of steps to go. Again, if you're listening to the mainstream media, you probably thought this was pretty much all wrapped up after November the 3rd. Far from it. I don't I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I don't know how to read tea leaves. Uh, but I can tell you it's not over. There are still a number of steps to go. And... President Trump is uh, not going to concede. And January 6th really is the next big important date. January 6th. That's when officially the Electoral College votes will be certified in the House and the Senate. Then, if that happens, Joe Biden will become president-elect. I don't think the Constitution actually specifically mentions a president-elect. It's sort of been tradition that he, the, the, the candidate who wins on election night is sort of declared president-elect. But according to people like Alan Dershowitz, who I think knows the Constitution pretty well, he says, no, January 6th, really, is when you could declare Joe Biden president-elect if that happens. And I say if because, as I say, there are a number of processes still working their way through, Supreme Court challenges. They are now, they may have completed this. I haven't seen the results. I'll I'll, uh, try and check in. But uh, in the state of Georgia, they are auditing the signatures yet again. There is talk in places like Arizona, which is controlled, the state legislature is controlled by the Republicans and in Wisconsin, controlled by the Republicans, and in Georgia, controlled by the Republicans, uh, that those state legislators might take back their control, their plenary power, and seat their own electors, or at the very least, turn the election, overturn the results of the election because of alleged fraud. In Arizona, for example... Anywhere from 55,000 to 200,000 illegal aliens may have voted. And that number comes, incidentally, from a, um, a group, an, uh, an immigrant advocacy group that have suggested that maybe as many as 200,000 or as, as few as 50,000 illegal immigrants voted. If that is the case... And half of them, a third of them, 10% of them voted for Joe Biden. 
that would overturn the results of the election in Arizona. That's electoral col- 11 electoral college votes. Uh, I'm not going to hear and uh, sort of relitigate the, the whole case. If you've been following this as I have, though, you, you, you would see or you would understand the, that in each state there are um, at least allegations, and I think with some merit, that there was widespread fraud. Uh, again, probably probably not unique to this election. All right, uh, we've been talking about the lockdown if, and how you feel about the uh, the measures that have been taken locally, provincially, across the country. If you're listening in the U.S., I'd like to get your take on, on that. Again, I, I believe the, the measures taken thus far amount to a catastrophic failure. And uh, the damage to tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of small businesses. And people will often respond and say, well, how can you, how can you compare the loss of a business to a human life? Well, we do that every day. Every time you get into a car, you are taking a risk. We have to, if we're going to function in society and have an economy... We have to manage risk. We do it every day, all the time. And having said that, when you destroy a business, you are destroying lives. In many cases, people that have poured their entire life savings, they have, they have toiled and sweat and bled for decades. Some of these are family-run businesses that have, that have been in existence for generations. And to see those destroyed... You are, in many cases, destroying lives. To say nothing of the forced isolation, inhuman isolation of the elderly and the infirmed. The psychological damage. The collateral damage from the lockdown. I believe far outweighs the actual the damage from the disease itself, as bad as it is. Again, I'm not saying that COVID-19 is not real. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a free people must be allowed to manage their own risk. All right, back to the phones we go. And uh, let's say hi to uh, Paul in Jersey City. Paul, welcome. Well, uh, (laughs) Hello, mon frère Canadien Richard. Hello, my brother Canadian. I um, I really wanted to talk about the uh, the methods of the election um, more than anything else. Uh, I I could comment also on the lockdown because my father was a grown man in 1918 and also a soldier in World War One. So he had a vivid memory of that pandemic. And I am not saying everything that was done, but much of what was done was the right thing to do. And uh, about the uh, about the election, it seems that everybody is talking about um, uh, uh, possible fraud. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of uh, people voting illegally, and yes, that possibility certainly exists. Uh, my question is this. Why are we using methods of the 18th century in the 21st century? And by that I mean 
as an example, uh, the uh, Electoral College. Now, in the 18th century, do you, do you know how long it would take you to go, well, let's, let's say in the GTA, going from Thornhill or Scarborough or North York to Eaton Center in Toronto, now, or, or right where you are now at the uh, studios of uh, uh, CFZM, right, which I think is on Jefferson Avenue. It would take you the better part of a day to go there. And that was provided the, the roads were not uh, muddy, uh, that there even was a road that you could use. Uh, now, this is the 21st century now. Why do we need electors? Why do we need one particular day for election where people in a small town, isolated from most of the country, could sit and by hand count the votes? This is a, this is now the 21st century. This should be reformed. Well, uh, you're, you're t- I'm not sure you, you, you kind of it seems to me you're, you're talking about two separate things. If you're talking about the need for an electoral college, uh, to me, it's brilliant to have this indirect democracy. So if you have are – you, are, what are you arguing for? The need for direct, rep- direct vote, one vote, one person for president? Uh, by, in, in other words, popular vote decides the president? Are you, are you arguing against the need for an electoral college? I'm not following. Well, yes, actually, I am arguing uh, against the need for the Electoral College because that was necessary in the 18th century and earlier when travel was very, very difficult. Well, that's that's only a small part of the reason. That's no, that's only a small part of the reason for the Electoral College. If if you if you get do away with the Electoral College and you have the president elected by popular vote, if you're in Kansas, if you're in Wyoming, if you're in New Mexico, your vote does not matter. And the, the, the founding fathers recognize this. If, if, if it's popular vote that decides the president, then candidates will go to Los Angeles, they'll, they'll, they'll campaign in Chicago, they'll campaign in New York, and that's the end of the story. And uh, forget about... Uh, Forget about Cheyenne. Forget about Madison uh, or Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, forget about Topeka. They 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 cease to be relevant. Well, that is well. Right now, that is because the electoral college does exist. Maybe had things been different and land divisions made different, uh, it could have. It could cert- It could certainly change the. Um, the results of uh, of an election. Uh, I, I'm I'm just very much opposed to the idea of the electoral college because, as I said, the purpose of it originally was uh, because of the of the difficulty of travel. Well, that was that was a small part of it. The founding fathers also recognized the need uh, for indirect. Uh, indirect democracy, and uh, without that, again, if it's popular vote, then the hinterlands, what the Dem- Democrats and, and others like to, f- to refer to as flyover country, become exactly that. You are disenfranchising um, millions of people who live in rural areas, in in uh, less densely populated areas. Uh, to me, it's it's um, one of the uh, the most brilliant 
pieces of uh, uh, or examples of forethought on the part of the of the founding fathers. And I understand, Paul. Thank you for the call. Not everyone is is happy that it works that way. Uh, they would rather see popular vote determine the president. Uh, I, I don't agree. I, I think that's a horrible idea uh, for the reasons that I've just outlined. Let's say hi to, uh, is that Susan in Toronto? Susan, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I just want to comment on, um, I guess, the, the election results and the fraud. And um, I, I'm just, and I guess the, the, you know, what Trump started calling fake news, we never even thought about fake news before he started calling it that, and it's so shocking to me that we're seeing what we're seeing, that I guess the, you know, the mainstream media, they don't even care anymore that that you can, that they're so blatant about it, you know, that you can actually see what they're, they're doing, and it's, and I guess the other shocking thing to me is that so many people don't see it. Like, they just believe what they see on mainstream media. And, uh, you know, if you talk to them about some of the things that are on the Internet and Rebel News and, you know, you, you get a reaction that is, oh, that's just, you know, conspiracy stuff. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. And, you know, and, and, and beyond that, I'm I'm really hoping that, the other shocking thing is that, you know, the the courts in the U.S. and so much of the evidence that has come out is just being dismissed. At least that's what we're being told. Right. Maybe we're not hearing the truth. Well, the, um, you have the, uh, the state Supreme Court. So, for example, in Pennsylvania, uh, they are actually elected. Uh, and mm-hmm. the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania is, um, I believe it's six to three or five to four Democrat. Uh, sitting on the, um, on the on the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, uh, it's it's six to three Republican, well, I shouldn't say Republican, conservative, originalist uh, on the uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. But you have the the um, Supreme Court uh, uh, Justice um, Roberts, John Roberts, who has kind of flip flopped and and uh, is now sort of. He seems to be allied with the uh, the three more liberal activist uh, judges. So uh, there is politics involved. Some people have suggested that John Roberts, um, Justice Chief Justice Roberts, may be compromised. Uh, that name, Roberts, did appear on the uh, the flight manifest for um, uh, Epstein, uh, the uh, the Lolita Express. There have been photographs of Roberts with Jelaine uh, Maxwell. Some have suggested that those photographs were photoshopped. It's very difficult in this day and age uh, to determine, you know, what's 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 valid, what's not. So, but some have suggested he's compromised, and and there is also, you know, they're supposed to rule without fear or favor. Well, I think there is a lot of fear happening. I think the Supreme Court would rather not get involved in this election. Uh, for fear of what may transpire if the results were overturned, rioting, widespread rioting and civil unrest. I think they are mindful of that. They shouldn't be. Uh, They should be mindful of it, but they should not allow it to influence them to the point where they're not even interested in hearing the evidence. There's simply a lot of these these, uh, rulings have been procedural. 
For example, they're saying in the case of the Texas lawsuit, when they were asking the Supreme Court for permission to sue those other swing states because of the way they ran their election, they were told, well, Texas, no, you don't have standing in this case. So the procedural rulings, they're not evidentiary. Uh, If they were to look at the evidence, that would be another matter, I would think. Let's say hi to uh, David is in St. Catharines. David, welcome. Hi, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. We all talk about conspiracy. I always, I always grew up saying just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Exactly. I, and I'm thinking about changing the name of the show, quite frankly, because much of what we talk about, uh, or I have well, talked well, about, is becoming increasingly mainstream. <laughs> anyway, I, first of all, I'd like to talk about everybody, all, all, all these Trump people, all, they, all, they don't realize the first thing he, he tried to make friends with all his communist friends and turn his back on his best friend and put put uh, stuff on our steel which uh, if you look into research all the trump towers are made from chinese steel so if you want to do some research on that but anyway well as a business yes, but being a business person is different from being president of the united states well yeah but the first thing he did is jump on our steel <laughs> So anyway, other than other than that, his best friend still, not 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 the other people's deal. But anyway, other than that, I followed politics since, and I'm seventy two, and I followed followed politics since I was in high school. But anyway, other than that, you know, we're talking about this COVID. And, you know, I read 1984, and a little bit of that is probably true. But it's a matter of having respect. If somebody wants you to wear a mask around them, where actually I had to, most people are, 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 are good with that. But my sister today walked by an apartment and the guy was walking out and she, she was just being nice and saying, oh, you forgot your mask. And my sister is 75. This guy's about 30 and a big, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> he started ragging on her like crazy. Well, there's a lot of uncivil you know, discourse on both sides. Have a little bit of- well, uh, that goes both ways. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. We, we, we need to be civil. Uh, but there's also a very important lesson here, and that is that my freedom does not end where your fear begins. That's important. And we can't lose sight of that. And we can't be made, made to feel guilty about that. We have to uh, stand up for that. My freedom does not end where your fear begins. Full stop. End of story. Back with more in a moment. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Uh, welcome back. We have a full board of lines. If you have a line, hold on to it. I'll try to work you in as quickly as I can. And um, once, uh, if you're calling in, getting a busy signal, keep trying. Once a, lon- a line uh, drops off, uh, there'll be phone lines available. That's how that works. Uh, now, before I, I have a, some clips here I want to play. Um, before I get to those, I want to uh, go to the YouTube live chat. Uh, and the folks that assemble every week without fail in the YouTube live chat are so uh, loyal and supportive, and I want to acknowledge them, all of them. 
uh, and I want to uh, take some other questions. Show Me the Truth 74 asks, Richard, what was the best thing that happened to you this year? In your opinion, what was the worst part of this awful year? Uh, the best thing that happened to me, I guess the silver lining in the uh, the, uh, the lockdown uh, was that it um, it caused me to pause and slow down a little bit and uh, take responsibility for my own health. Uh, I, I sort of dedicated myself more to getting healthy. I started uh, something called intermittent fasting, um, taking my supplements. I was, uh, you know, walking a lot more. That's kind of gone by the boards with the, the colder weather. <laughs> I don't do so well in the cold, but I'm going to start that again. Uh, the, other, the other thing is just, you know, spending uh, – it's just quieting of the mind and slowing things down, spending more time uh, with family. Uh, my boys uh, started high school this year. They're doing some in person. Of course, that has uh, been suspended until January 25th. They were going to high school two days a week in the mornings, sometimes three days a week. The rest of the time, they're home. Um, so having them home more, being with them is always a plus. And my wife, of course, the mighty Aphrodite, she's working from home. So, uh, you know, we're all breathing the same air and, and just, uh, being there for each other. The worst part of this awful year is, is hearing stories, uh, about people who can't hold, a dying loved one's hand as they breathe their last. They can't be there. To me, this is just heinous and inhuman and cruel and unnecessary. There are ways to mitigate the risk. Someone is dying, not necessarily from COVID, but if it's COVID or if it's cancer or whatever, the idea that that person is dying, I'm sure the, the, the nurses and the doctors are, are kind and loving, but they're not family. To deny someone to have family when they're dying, when they breathe their last, to deny someone from being with a dying relative is unconscionable. Unconscionable. And we, will, we should never forget this, and there must be a reckoning for this. This is a stain on our society. It must never be forgotten, and, there, and, and people in power... Public health officials, politicians, they must be held accountable for this. A grievous error. It has done incalculable, incalculable harm. That's the worst part. Uh, one more from the chat. Uh, you betcha. Hey, you betcha. Uh, asks, what, wh- what's with the illogical layout of lockdowns? Why can't we go into a store one or two at a time, but we can go on planes with recycled air? The logic, when you start breaking it down, it falls apart. Let me give you an example, you betcha, and you're absolutely right. I'll give you an example. My, my uh, two boys were, in, uh, were up in Markham. It was a gray tier, gray tier, right? So there were restrictions. They, they were attending tennis lessons in a bubble, two days a week, two hours. And then... More severe lockdown, uh, more severe restrictions came into place. And so they had to cancel the lessons. But they replaced the lessons with tennis camp. Same bubble, two days a week, four hours a week, 
I'm sorry, one hour, uh, two hours Monday through Thursday. So it was uh, eight hours a week now. They're in tennis camp. The only thing that has changed is it's no longer called a tennis lesson. And that's just one small example. But if you, if you, if you talk to people, um, everyone has a story like that. Some ridiculous. I'll give you another one. A limit of 10 people in a church. This is another, another huge contentious issue and another stain on our society, denying people the right to worship. Unconscionable. There must be a reckoning. Uh, so you can't have 10 people in a church to worship and pray. But if you're working on a film production and you're shooting a scene inside a church, you can have 30, 40 people in that same church. One is a film production. The other one is an actual liturgy or mass or church service. You see, the, the logic just breaks down because there's no logic underpinning this. They're, in many respects, I think they're making this up as they go along. All right. Uh, let's see if I can get one more in here. George asks, uh, I'm curious if Richard ever worries about being canceled for expressing his views. Well, I've been demonetized uh, on YouTube a number of times. And um, do I worry about it? No, I, I, not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, I, I would see it now, I guess, more as a, a, maybe a badge of honor. It would do me good to suffer a little bit. Suffering is good. It's necessary. So if they want to demonetize or deplatform, um, I mean, I think that's where we're all headed. As a conservative, as a Christian, that's just baked into the equation. Uh, and it's just getting starting, started, folks. It's just getting started. All right. Uh, I do want to play a couple of clips here. Um, earlier on, I was talking about how it is... Not, I, I won't say I'm surprised by this, but it is disheartening, it is aggravating, it is dangerous uh, that we are only allowed to hear from this pre-approved list of so-called experts. And for every expert that they, toss, uh, that they bring forward who says that social distancing is the way to go and lockdowns are the way to go and masks are the way to go, and maybe they are, maybe they are, but I can, I can point to others qualified immunologists, virologists who say the exact opposite, but we're not allowed to hear from them. And uh, if, you, if they appear on YouTube, they will be deplatformed. They will be canceled. If you try and retweet their tweets, they will be flagged and so forth. And to me, this is odious and it is wrong. And we have a right as a free people to hear from these people. One such is a Dr. Roger Hodkinson, who spoke at, um, he's from Alberta, He's a pathologist. He does have a background in virology. And I believe he also is a chair of a company in North Carolina that has developed a COVID test. And he spoke at a meeting in Edmonton at a city hall where they were meeting to talk about you know, the local lockdown and restrictions and so forth. And... Initially, his comments went viral, and then, of course, they were taken down. And you're not allowed to hear from Dr. Roger Hodkinson, but you are on this show. 
So I want to play some clips. Uh, this one is um, Do No Harm. Carlos, if we could hear from Dr. Roger Hodkinson talking about uh, the lockdown. I'm a traditional physician. I spent my life in evidence-based medicine, and I adhere to one of the most important tenets of the Hippocratic Oath, which is first, do no harm. Before you even think about treating someone, first do no harm. That's what's motivating me, because as I survey all the unintended consequences of these interventions internationally, it's very clear to me that the degree of harm in many different aspects of society, and if I could elaborate on, grossly exceeds the benefit that they claim. And when there's that degree of, uh, when it's so much out of sync with the intended objective, and the degree of harm is so enormous, it's up to every physician to stand up and be counted, because that's the essence of what we are about We put people and society before ourselves at all times, at three o'clock in the morning or in front of a microphone. It doesn't matter. There you go. That's uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, who has been uh, silenced. And I know that the uh, the College of Physicians and Surgeons have distanced themselves from uh, his remarks. But uh, I think it's important that you get to hear that. I think he should be at the table. He might be wrong. You might think he's wrong. But I, we need to hear that, uh, that dissenting opinion, and we're not. We're not. I'll play some more from Dr. Roger Hodkinson when The Conspiracy Show continues. Stay with us. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, I want to get back to uh, Dr. Hodkinson. Again, this was the, uh, the pathologist who spoke at a, uh, a city council meeting in Edmonton last, um, I think it was November 13th or something like that, and his comments uh, caused quite a storm, although to me what he was saying sounded quite quite reasonable. And it doesn't necessarily fit the narrative that we, we seem to be spoon-fed on a daily basis, but that's okay. That should be allowed, and we should be allowed to hear from someone like Dr. Hodkinson. And if I were the premier, I would want someone like him, not necessarily him, but someone with a dissenting view sitting around the table so that I'm getting both sides. To me, what has happened is the province is being run by decree. These edicts from public health officials who are not elected, who are not accountable. You know, provinces, uh, they have a, an emergency response plan in place for such for these pandemics and it seems to me that they have lost sight they call it the fog of war what was the rationale for what they're doing and in these emergency plans i am told there is a balancing that has to be done to mitigate the risk but also to maintain social structure and 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 your and your uh, your economy you can't destroy the economy. And so that is, it seems to me this emergency plan has gone out the window and now the focus is on making sure no one gets COVID. That is because public health officials, they're not economists, they're focused on health. Yes, that's important, but it's, it's one part of this puzzle. If you're focusing exclusively on preventing people from getting COVID, remember, flatten the curve. It's not about that anymore. It's prevent people from getting COVID. 
That's not going to end well, and it's not. It's been a catastrophic failure. Um, okay, so I want to get back to Dr. Hodkinson, and um, here he is talking about these, um, what he calls draconian measures. The Milan experience is very, very clear, and elsewhere since, that the majority of deaths occurring in elderly people with comorbidities. And in our own province here, if you translate those numbers into actual hardcore numbers that lay people would understand, the risk of death under 60 in the province of Alberta in Canada is one, in in people who are otherwise well, the working well, as I call them, the risk of death is one in 300,000. You don't inject into ordinary life these draconian measures to try and save one in 300,000 people. Many of those that are under 60 and are dying of this also have comorbidities, by the way. Bad disease doesn't start at the age of 60. So if there's no real significant threat for the vast majority of the population, the entire focus as the Great Barrington Declaration said, is focused protection for the people that are vulnerable, the elderly in nursing homes, for whom there should be a redoubling of protection in all kinds of fashion, including access to electronic media to keep in touch with their family, vitamin D supplementation, etc. That is not happening. And that is where the action should be, not in these draconian restrictions of freedom for people who are simply not going to die. What has changed with the way that we're dealing with long-term care and, the, and, these, and our seniors, our most vulnerable people, aside from finally recognizing that allowing uh, these long-term health care workers, because they don't get paid enough, so they move from facility to facility to facility to earn enough money. And it seems to me that's where some of the spreading, based on what I've read, where some of the spreading was occurring in these long-term care facilities. With these PSWs that were moving from facility to facility because they weren't getting paid enough. And I think this is important, just a quick aside. Do you know the single largest owner of these long-term health care facilities? The single largest, single largest owner. Federal employee pension funds. Now, um, all of these billions of dollars that Trudeau is sending overseas, tens of billions, $60 billion to developing countries to help them battle COVID or to help them battle climate change. Don't you think we could have used $60 billion, injected that into long-term care facilities? or give it to the province to inject into long-term care facilities, or to give to business owners so that they could stay open, so that they could mitigate risk. Uh, let's say hi to Skip in Connecticut. Skip, welcome. You're doing a great job. Uh, I think this is the biggest single attack on the common man since the flood, and the biggest attack on churches since they started ha- making churches, you know, in terms of the structures, you know, in the history of mankind. So that's how it's unfolded. Uh, but I think this is all to route people into a vaccine. It's called vaccine terrorism. Uh, that's the singular overriding goal is the vaccine. And they're not going to let people live until they take a vaccine. Now, uh, Bill Gates runs the world in fact, uh, and these governments, including Canada's government. 
And, uh, you know, well, what do you think of that, Richard? The Pfizer vaccine uh, lists side effects such as uh, demyelization of nerves. That's what happened to Stephen Hawking. That's what happens in MS. You have cardiac nerves that go into your heart. What happens if those nerves malfunction? You know, why is the side effects of the Pfizer vaccine not being looked at by the media per se? Right. Right there. Right. Well, I think that would be a healthy discussion. Uh, it seems no one's interested in having that discussion. I'll tell you what, I, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I think you need to examine them on a case-by-case basis. But when a brand-new automobile comes out on the market, uh, let's say like the Volkswagen Atlas. I remember the, the first year it came out and, you know, my sons would say, oh, I love that. We should get that. I said, no, you, you wait a, at least a year and let's just see what the reviews are like. Okay, once once uh, a year goes by, you can sort of make some determination. All oh, the reviews have not been very good. I'm not going to rush out and buy an Atlas Volkswagen the, the year it comes, the very year it comes, rolls off the assembly line and I'm not going to line up to be the first to take a vaccine until you know, we see some results here or, or some, at least some anecdotal evidence about its efficacy, about its safety. And I'm certainly not going to put my children in line uh, until I see some of that. And the, the idea that, that uh, we're, we're going to be restricted and not allowed to travel unless we have a, a vaccine passport, that is odious, to say the least. Back with more in a moment. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. When someone in charge of some social media platform or in the mainstream news say, you shouldn't listen to this person, that makes me want to listen to them all the more. Uh, and that's why I want, to he- I want you to hear another clip from uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, again, a pathologist uh, with some background in virology. I believe he's the chairman of a, uh, a company in North Carolina that's developing a test or has developed a COVID test. He uh, resides in Alberta and spoke back in November at a city council meeting regarding uh, protocols, uh, again, in Edmonton. And uh, I want you to, uh, Carlos, if you could jump ahead to um, why overreaction. This is... Uh, we're jumping ahead one clip. This is why over the re- overreaction, Dr. Roger Hodkinson. It was a dirty pair of shoes that walked out of a high security lab in Wuhan that became entered into the general population. The air flights between Wuhan and Milan, because of the leather industry, immediately transported it to Europe. The genie was out of the bottle. People started dying like flies in Milan. Ferguson got hold of it at Imperial College. He plugged in numbers into his absurd computer modeling and came up with these ridiculous predictions. The media got hold of it. The media gorges on crises, as you well know. (laughs) It's what sells advertising. Fanned it like mercilessly internationally. And so ministers of health internationally, at the same moment in time, the premiers would have looked at their ministers of health and the conversation would have gone something like this. Have you seen these numbers? I want to plan on my desk tomorrow morning. I don't care what it is, except it's got to be visible and immediate. Do you hear me? That's what they did. They implemented what the only thing is they could think of were masks and social distancing and all these other things. Understandably, it might have been true. They didn't know it at that time. But very shortly thereafter, they did. 
from the Milan experience and others, that it was picking off old people who were very vulnerable with comorbidities. By that time, of course, the politicians had backed themselves into this corner of these draconian shutdowns. And like every politician that's ever lived, the very last thing that you want to do is admit you're wrong because of the consequences of the next election. So they all constantly passed it. And, you know, how many angels can have a meal in a restaurant today? Is it 23 today? Is it 45 tomorrow? These arbitrary decisions by idiots were implemented internationally overnight. And they were utterly resistant to change because that's not the nature of politics. That's why we're in this mess today. I think that's a, a wonderful summation of what has happened here. Great deal of truth to what he has to say. And there's no harm in hearing from someone like Dr. Roger Hodkinson. I think it would be of great benefit if some of our elected officials would have someone like that around the table instead of being fed a constant mantra and drone from uh, people who are only fixated on cases and have lost sight through this fog of war of the need to balance health care along with the economy and allowing people to manage their own risk and give them the resources to do that instead of sending $60 billion overseas while our long-term care facilities are being totally mismanaged. For God's sakes, we still have in the 21st century, in 2020, we have Native Canadians on reserves still boiling their drinking water. That is another stain. All right, let's say hi to uh, Mark is in Mississauga. Mark, welcome. Jared, for uh, putting me on and letting me do a quick... uh, I'll do some fast bullet points and move on because your show is near the end there. I personally think our ex-drama teacher may have the country doomed for failure. And I think the, as Roy Green show would say, the Laurentian elites did their homework, sent the man abroad, danced in his garb, got one vote, free marijuana, pot, got the millennials, another vote, did their homework, immigration, everybody, come on over, free school, free health, free everything. And at doing so, all you have to do, come election time, check off the correct box. You know, your show, Roy Green and the late Gary Spaceman Bell, his last show, November 11th, 2017, even mentioned a pandemic coming up. It was really quite interesting. Your, your guest from last month, Rex Beard, hit it right on the nail. Everything that basically he was saying, a little bit detailed, but right on. And then when you look at the ex-drama teacher, the scandals, the we, the railway, the GNP we lost before COVID on the railway, the pipeline, S.C. Lavalin, Monroe, finance minister, running away. They know they can get away with all of it because this has been advertised, talked about, and nothing's been done. Nothing can be done. And the Laurentian elites do a great job because they did their homework. So the conservatives, everybody else scratching their heads, what can we do? How can we come back in power? Well, no. They're one step ahead. And they get the marching orders probably somewhere from across the pond. They cut it down to a fine art. And I think all that put together, I think he, he doesn't care about Canada. He's got the bigger agenda. And I think him and the other G19 have a plan. It's like a war room. One milestone met, next chapter. 
You have some resistance, there's a plan B. I, I hope that there is some resistance happening in the background and people will look at all this. And that, uh, that doctor you're talking about from Edmonton, from Alberta, he was on the Roy Green show where they paid the wrong slip of it. Right down, right down the line, everything has two sides of a coin, and we're not showing the second side except on a few shows like yours. So when you look at all that, that's the unfortunate part. And I really hope, and like, like, like you say on Coast and your show, there's always an ear listening to every show. And if something does happen, they'll try to block it. So I hope there will be some resistance, and people will kind of see the message, and, and somehow we can get out of it. And uh, that's basically it. Mark, I thank, I uh, thank you for thank you for your comments and uh, wishing you and yours a, a happy New Year's and hopefully a, a prosperous and healthy one as well. Uh, I think I have time for one more quick one. Robert is in Toronto. Robert, welcome. Hey, Richard, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. I don't got much time, so at some other time, I'd love to meet you for a beer and debate you. But I think you're all over the place, um, and I just want to comment on the one thing about lockdowns and their messaging. I'm not in a lockdown. I'm self-isolating because I choose to be so. But most people can still move about. This isn't like a prison. I hate when people make that con- connection. It's just a messaging problem. We have some restrictions placed on us. If everybody would just adhere to them, I think we'll be over before they have to prolong them. But they keep prolonging them because there's too many people out there not listening. That's my opinion. Well, that's, and that's, you're certainly uh, entitled to your opinion. When you say I'm all over the place, I don't know what you mean. Um, it's, it's open lines. I'm getting questions. I'm fielding questions and, and making comments. I think I've been pretty consistent in my message. So I, I wouldn't say I'm all over the place. Uh, no, it's not a prison. But if, if we, things continue along this track um, and your, when your mobility is severely restricted – uh, when you are told you cannot go to a place of worship, um, when you are told you cannot open your business and support your family and you must rely upon a, uh, a government handout, uh, that is cause for grave concern. Grave concern. And uh, I, will, I will end the program as I, I began in saying that this has been a calamitous, epic disaster and we will look back on this as one of the, the greatest mishandling and, and policy disasters in human history. Now, uh, when I, if I didn't get to you, my apologies. We'll, uh, we'll look to uh, 2021, hopefully for, for better times. And uh, we will certainly continue to talk about this, no doubt. In the meantime, my, uh, my sincere thanks uh, to Carlos, Kajina, and Ryan White. Great job, fellas. Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.